I'm Jory. I'm playing Essie, the gravedigger, and it's good to be here. Hi, I'm Eli. I play Vim, the receptionist, and it's good to be here. Hey guys, it's Jordan. I'm playing Bjork, the CEO, <laughs> and it's good to be here. Hi, I'm Jesse. I'm your general manager, and I wanted those reports on my desk an hour ago. Welcome to Many Realms. a very special episode of Many Realms. Today we'll be playing Triangle Agency by Haunted Table Games. Triangle Agency is crowdfunding now for its full launch, so stay tuned at the end of this episode to learn how you can support this cool game made by nice people. Let's begin. It is a warm weekday morning in Trianto, Canada. The June sun glints off of the peak of the CN Pyramid at the heart of the city and sparkles playfully on the vertices of the vaguely polygonal waves of Lake Ontario. It's the kind of day that begs you to take the day off work and relax, enjoy yourself, or get caught up in a fun and entertaining adventure in the city. But none of you will be doing anything of the kind. On Bay Street, in the heart of Trianto's financial district, an unassuming building catches the attention of precisely nobody. The eyes of businessmen and tourists slide off this edifice and leave only the vaguest impression of black glass and tasteful potted plants. Only those of unusually keen perception may remember the emblem, an unadorned red triangle that gleams next to the front doors. This is the Trianto office of the Triangle Agency, where each of you works. Why don't we glide through the front doors of the Triangle Agency and start with our receptionist, Vim. So you come into Triangle Agency and you see nobody at first. It's quiet. And then you might look around a little and realize, actually, no, the receptionist was here the whole time. And their name is Vim. Um, they are super unassuming. Um, they are very small and petite. I wrote 80 pounds soaking wet. Um, they have a pixie cut that is Vanta Black, actually Vanta Black. Um, they have black skin and they have uh, like very square glasses. You know, in anime, when you the characters that get the shiny glasses, they're very dorky. It's like that. Uh, so they're at the reception, and next to the reception on the other side, there is like a break room. And so right now, Vim is listening in on some gossip at the water cooler and taking some mental notes. Did you watch the new Netflix show? It's about uh, people who are so strong that they can bake cake really strong. There was another one, though, that was about uh, people who bake cakes that make them really strong. No, you're thinking about the one where they have to keep the cakes from making out. Cake Island. I thought it was the one where all the cakes are so delicious that they have to not make out with each other to win the money. Um Hot, what's that one called? Two cake to cake, Cole. Not as interesting as a lot of the water cooler talk, but still good to hear and to know. Although they are like 
Netflix not cool anymore. Wanna post it? We will pan through the hallways of the Triangle Agency, which are beautiful, clean, spotless, minimal, all the way to one of the many employee break rooms. Here we find Essie. What is Essie up to on her mid-morning break? Essie usually works like a bit of a graveyard shift. Um, So maybe today she started around 4 or 5 a.m. And she's going to be off. I don't know when she's going to be off because you're the manager. I'll tell you when you're off. Uh, She expects maybe to, to be off around midday, like a converted schedule so she has a she has a matcha latte that's her coffee and she is trying her best not to fall asleep Essie is a youngish woman in her 20s in her late 20s she has curly 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 dark hair she has a smattering of freckles across her face because I'm coming for Eli's IP wow She has large glasses that emphasize her large, dark eyes. Yeah, so that's that's what she looks like. And she maybe has her feet up um, on a coffee table. And she has an episode of Two Cake to Pandle on the TV. Deborah, who works in the accounting department, tiptoes into the break room to retrieve her yogurt from the refrigerator. And when she sees your uh, shoes on the table, she gives a uh, a bit of an annoyed cough. (laughs) These are my indoor shoes, Deborah. She shoots a glance over at the sign pasted on the wall. Please keep your shoes on the floor at all times, it reads. If I kept my shoes on the floor at all times, I wouldn't be able to walk because I couldn't lift them up. She flickers her eyes over to a second sign on the wall. Please limit all rhetorical arguments in the break room. (laughs) Fine, Deborah. I got to take my feet off the coffee table. Actually, you know what? I get up. I turn off the, the show and I say, my break was over anyway. I have to make something else disappear. We will pan doing that kind of cutaway pan where we go through the floors and see the insulation foam and like a little rat scurrying around up and up and up to about two thirds of the way up the skyscraper building to a very nice office on the 31st floor of the Triangle Agency. Bjork, what's your office like and what are you doing inside of it? My office on the 31st floor, the most prestigious floor, I would hazard to say, in all of the Triangle Agency, is, I would say, floor-to-ceiling windows all the way across because I like to get my uh, morning sunshine, my, uh, you know, my my vitamins in the morning. Uh, I'm naturally sipping my first black coffee of the day after I went for my morning run and workout and daily meditation and cold shower and, uh, you know, lightly squeezing a stress ball while having... Um, I'm going to say two um, two separate phones with two separate single ear Bluetooth head, like Bluetooth earpieces. <laughs> what does Bjork look like? Nice, crisp, six foot with black, disheveled, uh, probably has some type of like shitty pomade product in it. Uh, and he's either only ever in a suit or a tank top. There's no in between. And believe it or not, he's in a suit right now. He makes me sick. (laughs) Love it. Bjork, your phone goes off. 
I answer it. Is it the right or the left one? It's the right one. I answer. No, the, the other one. Okay, I, I answer that one. Oh, no, it was the first one. Sorry. Okay, sorry. I, I, it doesn't matter. I answer both if they're both ringing this matter. Oh, it's actually a text. Oh, okay. I, I read it. And what does it say? The text says to report to briefing room 14 immediately. In the reception lobby, Vim, you receive an identical text. In the hallway leading from the break room, Essie, ditto. All three of you are being summoned to briefing room 14. No delay. Vim puts up a crisp be back in 30 sign, takes their chai, and goes to the meeting room. Essie takes no precautions to tell anybody that she's going anywhere. Bjork, do you take your uh, invention with you? And will you tell us about it a little bit? Because that was a big part of the character notes you gave me. Right. Well, I mean, that's so. Is it funnier if the Triangle Agency is my side hustle or if my side hustle is my side hustle? It depends how much you want to come up in this episode. Is the main thing you told us. My side hustle, uh, what my sheet says is uh, can I say the whole like my reality thing or is that? Sure. Okay. My sheet says that my reality is that I am pursued. Because I carry a great burden from my side job, my side invention, which is I've stumbled upon perhaps the greatest invention of this entire generation, dare I say, of all time. And rival minds want me dead to claim what will certainly be a massive empire for themselves. And that invention is the hot, cool shirt. What's a hot, cool shirt? My anomaly, which will become quite familiar with over time, is catalog, which allows me to duplicate and warp things. The first question that comes to you is, what do I duplicate and warp? And the answer to that is that, well, one day I was buying my heater, and then I went to get a popsicle from my freezer, and I thought, what if I warped these things together with a shirt? Bjork suited up and secretly suited up underneath his suit, is ready to make his way to the briefing room. Briefing room 14, like all of the briefing rooms of the Triangle Agency, is a spotless white room with stainless steel tables and countertops that allow the agents to assess the nature of the anomalies they are meant to pursue. For indeed, as employees of the Triangle Agency, your job, outside of your regular competency, is to track down and neutralize anomalies as they appear in the world. These anomalies can take many forms, often being formed by the intense concentration of thought or emotion among the human populace somewhere in the world. But more often than not, these anomalies are dangerous and can cause harm, which is why agencies like the Triangle Agency exist. In briefing room 14, you are met by T. It's a Bond kind of thing. She is a statuesque woman, over six feet tall, with uh, supermodel cheekbones, long, curly, dark hair pulled back, and uh, a keen eye for any delinquency, tardiness, or backtalk. So you'd better be on your best behavior when dealing with her. She is wearing a crisp, skirt suit underneath a long lab coat and as you all enter she turns and looks at you Essie and says are those indoor shoes regulation um yes they're they're Jimmy shoes she lifts an eyebrow approvingly and she says well I suppose that settles the matter 
Thank you all for joining me. I hope you are ready for a new assignment. We have had an urgent alarm raised. We have received reports of anomalous energy concentrated within the heart of downtown Trianto. Specifically, these energies can be traced back to the 13th floor of the Fairmont Hotel. Are you familiar? Uh-huh. As you can imagine, this is a highly trafficked and high-status establishment, which means that subtlety and discretion will be paramount as you conduct this operation, agents. Do you understand? Yes. My, my shifts today started at... Is this, is this a today thing? This is a right now thing, Essie. She holds up her phone to show an email from your supervisor who has disinterestedly authorized you to work double hours today. Great. Well, I suppose you'll have to catch up on your sleep when you're dead. This anomaly is serious business. Is d- dead going to happen today? We're counting on you to prevent that exact outcome. From underneath a countertop, she produces two objects. One of them is a briefcase. It looks like a standard black leather briefcase. The other is a, there was no better way to describe it. It's a ray gun. It's a ray gun that looks like a classic vintage kind of 70s ray gun you would see like Barbarella holding or something. It's this beautiful teal color with chrome accents. T says, I trust you're familiar with both the briefcase and the ripple gun. Remember, briefcase first resort. You'll have to wear them down first. But if they're not willing to go, then you'll need to use the ripple gun. We don't want any loose ends or demerits on our hands, do we? Performance reviews are coming up. Vim says, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but this only holds one charge. Vim earns one commendation for remembering something from the rules. T says, that's exactly right, Vim. Each of you are entitled to an initial requisition. Can you each state yours? Vim's um, initial requisition is the Mobius Circuit TV. Uh, So once permission, they can enter a room with an... And it's an endless room with, I think, like an endless amount of television screens. Vim is able to enter this room once per mission and turn on one of the powered down televisions inside. And on that television, they can see up to 30 minutes of any moment in time from a place that they've already been that day. T slides you the key for the Mobius TV room in the vault of the Triangle Agency. Thank, thank you, T. I'm very excited. Essie, what's your initial requisition? Mine is the Dracula's coffin. (laughs) The coffin of... Jesse likes that one. (laughs) I think that's good. All games should have Dracula's coffin in it. (laughs) Um, Great. Wait till you hear what it does. Uh, The coffin of the monster himself lies deep in the vault buried under layers of earth. So what that means is once permission, I can exhume the coffin to place something inside that can fit. Whether when the coffin is returned to the dirt, whatever you placed inside never existed. All memories of it are erased and every effect it had on the world is ascribed to other sources. So I can just like whoop something. T slides across the countertop a collapsible stainless steel shovel emblazoned with the logo of the Triangle Agency. Uh, your guys' sounds pretty cool. I mean, mine in practice is cool, but sounds lame comparatively. My initial requisition is the expense account, which is an enormous accountant's ledger, which is rumored to contain every purchase made in the history of mankind. Once permission, I may write that the agency has acquired something specific in the ledger and it becomes agency property. I can use it during the mission, but the agency makes decisions about it going forward. T smiles and says, uh, yes, we've recently had that updated. It was becoming a bit uh, old-fashioned for our tastes. She slides across a credit card 
but the credit card has no numbers, no name, not even a little tap sticker. It's just a completely featureless black rectangle. And she says, uh, just tap it once against whatever you need. This is amazing. Essie yawns and says, okay, well, if we're going to do this, we have no, no witness accounts yet, right? Maybe can we be, see if we can get this done by like four However long it takes, agents, but you're right, Essie. It's absolutely crucial that no normal human outside of this agency has any knowledge of us or the work we are doing or the anomaly. You must make sure to leave no loose ends or the agency will have to clean up after you and that could result in demerits, which no one wants to see when performance review season comes around. You all better perform here today, okay? Or it's my ass. Bim has nothing else to add. They're just like running their finger along your confusing credit card trying to like inspect it and understand how that works without like a chip or anything careful you can't buy vim if you're not careful and we don't want that that creates a very confusing set of paperwork for hr they jump uh like so far backwards they basically like fall out of their chair afraid ah! keep it in your wallet but make sure not to accidentally buy the wallet again until it's time to use the card yeah what am i an idiot T just smiles and ushers you out of briefing room 14. I buy the agency. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Game over. Winner. Therefore, I own the card and I can use it infinitely, like wishing for three more wishes. Yeah, I bend the card really sharp so it touches itself and then I've bought the card. Exactly. Yeah, that's good. That's too clever. You cruise from the Triangle Agency on Bay Street over to the Fairmont Hotel. When you arrive, the lobby is full of people, bright and sparkling. It is a Thursday morning at 11 o'clock. People who are coming into Trianto for conferences or business trips are all checking in, looking around for lunch, and the place is bustling. What's your first move, team? Uh, Well, Vim, so we all have like realities. Vim's is that they're a newborn. So I'm actually not human. I just look human. Um, so I'm, I'm fascinated by what's going on. Um, one of you has to take control of this mission fast because they are getting like overwhelmed in a good and a bad way by everything that's happening in this lobby, even down to like how fascinating the architecture of this room is. Vim is charting down cornices and sketching potted plants and interviewing some people, which they definitely shouldn't be about why they're staying at the Fairmont today. Is there anybody we can talk to, like a employee or a witness? Well, in terms of witnesses, the Triangle Agency is meant to keep things hush-hush, so there haven't been any official reports filed, just the, uh, the energy signature coming from the 14th floor of the hotel. In the lobby, things seem totally normal, and there is, of course, a check-in desk where a couple of concierges are working. Then I think the move is to book her room. Vim looks at Essie and, like, puts their hands on her shoulders and is like, I think I have this. And then their anomaly, which is absence, uh, phases into the back room and gets, like, a skeleton key card. So you want to use 
absence, your anomaly here. So let's talk a little bit about anomalies and about making moves in triangle agency. You want to use your unbound ability. So if something is in your way or holding you back, you can roll subtlety on a success. You can pass directly through it. You become intangible and can move easily through walls, chains, and other obstructions for one hour. Um, and you want to use that to get past the reception desk to wherever they have behind. Unbound will make you intangible, but not necessarily invisible. So you might still have to uh, make some moves to get in undetected, but you could go kind of in a very oblique way that will make that easier because no one's expecting someone to walk through the wall. Yes. If you would like to use your unbound ability and try to get through a wall, you will need to roll 6d4. That's the standard roll in Triangle Agency. Do you have any QAs or quality assurances in the subtlety quality? Okay, so you will be considered to be burned out uh, in subtlety. Any, any trait that you don't have any QAs in is burned out, meaning that your results will be considered one success fewer. Okay. That means you'll need to roll at least two threes to succeed on this roll. Success in triangle agency when you roll your 64 is determined by how many threes you roll. That is no threes. I failed. Vim, you have failed your subtlety roll to use your unbound ability. This failure will result in the generation of six chaos. Chaos is the energy that's given off by anomalies. And when you generate chaos, I, the general manager, can use it against you by employing it in the moves the anomaly can take to continue its mayhem. As well, we will give you a inconvenient consequence in the form of a loose end in order to introduce that other mechanic. Loose ends are mundane humans that have sensory evidence of the anomalous and avoiding these is very high priority at Triangle Agency. Vim, I think that you uh, pick a point on the wall that you think is going to lead directly to the inside of the uh, concierge area behind the front desk of the hotel. You start to shimmer and dematerialize as you step towards it, but some part of the architecture, a beautiful fountain in the lobby, some interesting detail that you've never seen before distracts you at precisely the wrong moment. You instead smash your head into the wall of the hotel lobby. Your glasses crack in the middle and uh, two people on the couches nearby turn and confused watch as you like reel back from the wall. One of them, a, a middle-aged woman with curly gray hair and uh, lanyard from a convention on, Jordan, what convention is she attending? Uh, for Oak Table Enthusiasts. You can see that she has an oak table enthusiast convention lanyard and she is staring at you with widened eyes. You are certain that she saw you turn partially uh, uh, intangible as you attempted to walk through the door. So she is now a loose end. I'm going to call her Oak Lady. So do we like just kill her? <laughs> yeah, you sort of kill her and then, um, well, you'll need to use your qualities or abilities to ensure that she is no longer a loose end, however you want to do that. If you leave her as a loose end at the end of the mission, uh, Vim will receive three demerits on their record. Ooh. I go up to Vim. Um, I take a look at him. I look at the lady and be like, oh, they're always uh, just such a klutz. But, you know, I see her here for the Oak, Oak Table Festival. I am too. It's just, it's a nice day for that, isn't it? And I'm using side of the bed. 
uh, when I need to change the mood in a room, I casually say, nice day, isn't it? Role duplicity. On a success, you plant an opinion in the mind of one person you're speaking to. Pick one, and I have several thing options. They now believe this is the kind of the day they're having. To them, all events of the day reframe to this mood. So I want her to think it's boring. Um, so if I win, that's my goal. If I win, if I roll. Yeah, definitely. You can roll duplicity. Ooh, I got two threes. Okay, so that will give us one success, which is fantastic. Uh, on one success, you will generate, I believe, five chaos. Um, but you are successful. This woman, her name is Marjorie, and she fucking loves oak tables. Or she did 20 years ago when she got into the oak table game, but then it's all been taken over by fucking veneers and people are getting really into birch now. They don't realize that oak is a wood that's going to last, last your lifetime. Oh, yes. Um, Marjorie has a lot of feelings. You can feel them wafting off of her with your dream abilities and you decide to uh, focus on the ones that are more bland, more boring, and ignore the, the coil of curiosity about Vim's strange manifestation a moment ago. Marjorie blinks a couple of times and says, Oh, yeah, it's a nice day. Uh, are you at the table convention? Are you tabling there? Oh, a little industry joke. <laughs> uh, I'm actually just here to look, to peruse. I'm um, not a maker. I'm an enthusiast. Oh, everyone needs more tables, more and more. I have two in each room at home. Drives the husband crazy. Mm-hmm. I have a whole room that has no tables in it at all, so I have to I have to fix that. Could I give you my card? Of course. Uh, it says Marjorie McMasterson, Oak Table Expert. I will be sure to contact you about that table. Okay, you have Marjorie McMasterson's card. She is no longer a loose end, and you've uh, saved Vim's bacon. Good job, Essie. Vim puts their hands on Essie's shoulders again and says, Essie, I don't think I have this. So every time I touch something living, I get a demerit? <laughs> Wait, but I'm not human. Okay, well, semantics. Are I mean, you living? They no. touched y- you. And if you're wearing a shirt. Essie receives a demerit. Oh, and cool, Vim, when you it. place your hands on Essie's shoulders, her shoulders are ice cold. Well, I have just the thing for that. <laughs> Uh, Vim recoils back by reflex and says, why are you like that? And pulls out their notebook. Why are you both like this? It's been five minutes into my hour that I've allotted for this. and We've done absolutely shit so far. Will the two of you get to it, please? Um, I huff and I go up to the concert desk and I say, hi, can I get a room? I'd really like to be on the 14th floor. The concierge is a young man with hair dyed uh, electric blue. And he smiles at you warmly and says, sure, I'll just need uh, identity and uh, proof of payment. Oh, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Pardon my friend here. Uh, I can provide that for you. Uh, I just need my I just need my card. I I hold out my hands. I give you the business card. (laughs) Yeah, I use... You might also like, which um, lets me hold any object and roll dynamism, which on a success allows me to change an object to a similar but different version of the object. Like a green coat becomes a blue coat and stuff. And I'd like to turn this to like 
the phrasing to become like Oak Table VIP or something like that and change it to my name like I'm some very important person at this convention. Okay, that sounds great. Why don't you roll dynamism? So how does, so sorry, it's the base is like I have plus six in that. So what do I? So those are not uh, modifiers to the role. Instead, those are quality assurances. And you can spend them to adjust the results of your roll to a three. So if you spend all, if you rolled no threes, you could spend all six of them and turn that into six threes, which would be a, a terrible waste of, of your quality assurances. Um, you only need one success to get a, uh, a successful result, but you can use them to adjust the roll after you've made it. Uh, okay, so initially on that roll, if it's it's six of them, right? So I got one three. So that would be a success that generates five chaos, which is still not great. If you want, you could, um, if you turn that into two threes, it'll only generate four chaos. If you turn it into three threes, it'll generate no chaos. I mean, sure, we'll go three threes um, <laughs> because, you know, we're doing a we're doing a one shot here. You know, I'm not going to be stingy in my resources. Sure. They reset every mission anyhow. So uh, you this won't activate transcendence, which is the thing that happens when you naturally roll three threes. Then you can do things like receive three commendations or recharge three of your quality assurances back. But you can do uh, an unnatural three threes. And uh, you will generate no chaos and have a clear success of exactly what you want. Uh, great. Yeah. So I want it to be like if there is a name in the oak table industry that would basically be like, holy shit, like I want to be like, this is the like, I'm the son that you haven't heard of or something. But like it has like VIP, it becomes like a fancy ornate like piece of identification that's like kind of tailored to this. Jory, who is the absolute leading name in the global oak table industry today? Chester Stetson. Chester Stenson? So what's it? Stenson? Chester Stenson. So I take the card from you. I take the card from my flagship before them and I say, it's me, Wesley Stenson. I was promised an immaculate room on the 14th floor. Uh, Listen, I I have to be there for the guests, for the guests, well... The VIP guest speaker panel at the event here, so I need to get my things to my room. My assistants here—they're waiting to come bring my luggage upstairs. Can you please give me my room key? This young concierge's dyed pink eyebrows shoot up into his dyed pink hair. He says, "The the the it was blue." Son, son of Chet, Ch- are the all of the oak in our executive yes, yes, suite? Yes, 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 yes. My room key. My room key. Uh, yeah, I just there's been. Um, some one technical little snafu. Let me just bump someone out of their room uh, <laughs> across the lobby. Marjorie holds up her old BlackBerry and her eyes sadden as she uh, realizes she's going to have to get alternate accommodations tonight. Uh, but her company will cover Aww. it. I mean, she's with Premium Oak. It's fine. Marjorie McMasterton is booted out of her room and uh, concierges deploy like Navy SEALs to go up and bring her luggage down to her. And the concierge slides a little Fairmont Hotel key fob across the table to you with a warm smile and says, let me know if there's anything else I can do for you, Mr. Stenson. I will. Okay. You have a room. You have room 1401 at the Fairmont Hotel. The three of you get in the elevator and Bjork, you use your fob to bring everyone up to the 14th floor of the Fairmont Hotel. You're just laughing at the name Bjork again. (laughs) 
You can't name yourself things you're going to laugh at every time. He just hits it so exactly how I want him to hit it every time. <laughs> when the elevator doors slide uh, open soundlessly, the 14th floor of the Fairmont Hotel is a little dark. It seems underlit. Surprising heavy shadows linger in all of the corners. And... Uh, When you step out into the little elevator bay, you could swear you hear some footsteps dashing away down the hallway, away from the elevators. Hello. I take out my phone and start recording it. I feel like I'm prone to pull out the old ray gun. That's the backup. Okay, it's just contingency. Maybe let's turn on the lights first. Vim goes to our room, which is presumably next to the elevator because it's O one. Mm-hmm. Open the door, prop it open, and turn on that light. Sure, that casts a little more light into the hallway. Down the hallway, there is an open hotel room door as well as um, definitely some rustling and shapes moving underneath the, uh, the plastic covering of the hotel cleaning cart. Okay, Vim says, this didn't go so well last time, but I'm going to try again. And I want to use negatives this time. Tell me about that. I don't know if it works this way. It's called inspect the place where something once was. Dive into the empty space and roll attentiveness. Uh, On a success, you can see the history of the place you're inspecting. If a note was removed, you know what it read. If an object was stolen, you know what it was and how it felt. So I'd like to, if I can, inspect this hallway because... Presumably or hopefully this anomaly or and or whatever is under the cart has like passed through here. Like it's very close to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, roll attentiveness. That's a pass. But so I'm going to use two more QAs because I have six. So to bring me down to four attentiveness. Um, and that says you may add one sentence about what is lost. And that sentence is true. Um, Vim, you head down this hallway and you gaze intently at all of the surroundings, both as a newcomer to Earth and as someone trying to track down the source of this anomaly. Um, These ghostly images superimpose themselves of the hotel hallway. You see the same maid and you know that this was only about half an hour ago, 25 minutes ago, pushing a cart down, joyous, loving the smell of oak that always permeates this hotel floor when it's time for the oak table convention. She uh, knocks on a door, the door that's now currently ajar, and heads inside to start cleaning, leaving her cart outside. Uh, You try to get a better angle. You can see that while she's in the uh, hotel room, the shower is on and running. Um, So she doesn't go in the bathroom. And as she's tidying up the room, something darts past and uh, jumps onto the cleaning cart. If you didn't know better of him, you would say it's just a pair of legs. Human legs, straight up, from hip to toe. When the maid comes out or the ghostly image leaves the hotel room and returns the supplies to the cleaning cart, the foot winds up and kicks her right in the arm. And she yelps, she staggers around and runs over to the security phone to call down to the front desk. The uh, legs just start using the oddly grippy toes to unscrew and spray about bottles of cleaning chemicals and like complimentary diet Cokes on the bottom of the cleaning cart. Okay. Um, 
Vim, I guess, comes out of their, like, trance or however they experience these negatives and says something like, I think it's feet. And the sentence I'd like to add is that these maybe feet had an allergic reaction to some of the, like, uh, cleaning supplies in the cart and can now not go quickly. You say they're darting everywhere? They're very slow. The feet have become logy due to foot-based cleaning supply allergy. This is a totally normal, true thing about the situation. <coughs> uh, the other two, you see Vim come out of their trance and indeed say, I think it's feet. Where are the feet going? Where are the feet up to? Well, go have a look at it. I'm scared, okay? Yeah, well, I mean, you gotta face your fears, though, right? How are you gonna ever get promoted beyond receptionist if, you know, you don't go face your fears? If you must know one day, I'm gonna leave and write a book. That's how. How are you gonna get the courage to self-publish in today's economy if you don't go look underneath that cart? Uh, I pull Essie with me and I say... It won't hurt you. You have Jimmy Choo's on. I understand they are at least $1,000 each, and so it'll know you respect it. Just please don't touch me. Oh. Demerit. I will follow you. Essie, you are approaching the cart. I go to the shoes and then I, the feet, I'm say, hello? Can you hear? You don't have ears. You pull back the plastic corner of the covering of the hotel cleaning cart and indeed, as Vim saw, there is a pair of legs and feet uh, sitting on the bottom. They are blessedly wearing uh, cartoon heart pattern boxers. No. Oh, good. And it does look like the spilled chemicals mixing with the potency of the Diet Coke have rendered these feet logy and rashy. The ankles flop over in your direction listlessly, Essie. What happens if you take them out of there? Do you understand language? Are you, are you, are you going to kick me if I pick you up? The feet tap in a way that is somewhat ambiguous, but that you could definitely interpret as a statement of peace. I gently pick up the feet and put it on the ground. Nice to meet you. Uh, the feet struggle to find equilibrium. The, the soles of the feet are a little red and puffy from all the cleaning chemicals they've been splashing in. But gently they toddle around the cleaning cart and into the partially open hotel room door. They uh, stagger a little bit as though struggling to maintain balance and do the thing where you like scratch your leg with your toenail from your other leg. <laughs> which causes them to lose balance entirely and uh, collapse on the plush bedding. Uh, inside this hotel room, you can see that the room has been kind of trashed. Um, the shower is still running in the bathroom. There are lots of like random business papers. It looks like someone was here for the Oak Table Conference, as well as things like, um, like TTC maps, fast food wrappers, stuff like that. Should we snoop? Oh, we should snoop. You too, go snoop. Come with us. I'm coming too, but I'm telling you to do what I want and snooping. No. I don't know if that one counts. It's just that I think I it was my idea and you just said it again louder and it's International Women's Day. Oh, God damn it. Now you have to go first. What do you do in the hotel room, Bjork? Okay, then I will check the shower. Sure, the bathroom is uh, full of fog, even though the little window has been cracked into the warm summer air. And uh, behind the closed shower curtain, the water is spraying and you can see a silhouette behind. It's uh, shorter than you would expect the silhouette of someone taking a shower to be. Ah, uh, it's a torso. It's half a person. Ah! 
They're still showering, so I gotta respect <laughs> that. Uh, excuse me. Excuse me. There's no reply. All right, you know, I'm on a job. I go in. Inside the shower uh, is a headless torso. The neck just ends in a smooth kind of dollish mound. No sign of any violence or forcible separation, just as though there was never a head there to begin with. The torso is using a brush to scrub underneath its armpits, alternating. You know what's weird is I thought the legs on their own were cute, but I think the torso on its own is creepy. Uh, my question is, is it ripped? Uh, dad bod. Dad bod, okay. Jesse, Jesse, Jesse. Titties? Uh, dad titties. <laughs> nice. Titties. Nice. <laughs> Couple P ditties. Daddies? Flexing in that shower. Thank okay. you. Um, the... Torso seems a little offended to be walked in on Bjork. As you peer into the shower, it attempts to reach for the curtain and draw it closed again. Uh, I close it for it. You get the sense, though not the perceivable sound, that it's whistling a jaunty tune. Do you have a head? Uh, I believe it doesn't speak. I have a, a note. I think the legs can hear, so... Yeah. Uh, speaking of, hey, legs... The legs give a feeble, almost drunken kick from the bed and then stagger upright and move over to the bathroom. From behind the shower, as though in response to Essie's question, a bar of hotel soap comes sailing over the top of the shower curtain rod and flies clear out the window. That's not good. Well, that, that was odd. Anyway, legs make nice meat. You open the shower curtain, arms gives you like a heavy shrug, like a come on. And um, I turn off the shower. I don't, why do I? Why am I being nice to this fucking torso? I turn off the shower. Hey, have care. some respect. What do you mean? We're supposed to like put them in a fucking suitcase or shoot them. Torso fumbles for a towel hanging off a hook that's too high for it to reach. Vim gives it. Torso wraps the towel around itself at the nipple line. I pick up torso. You two meet. You pick up the torso and you plop it on top of the the seamless mound of flesh at the waist of legs. Oh my god, I hate that. I'm sorry. You it's seamless. You did it. I hate um, that. The sound of that is not. I know. Ugh. For a second, you've got this like great image of the lower three quarters of a person's body. You can definitely get the sense of like a middle aged white man. Um, but of course they're not actually joined together and, uh, legs struggles to balance torso on top of it. And then the two just go tumbling down onto the bathroom floor in a pile of limbs. I look at the mess I've created and I go, Hmm, I think we're missing something here. <laughs> that was a really good idea. When, when I asked about the threat head though, they threw the soap out the window. Do you not like head? Your head. <laughs> Jordan, That's Jordan, a good question. Jordan, Jordan. Oh, oh, oh. oh. <laughs> Which one? Uh, is he laughing at, do you not like it? I'm sorry, guys. I'm, so, I'm sorry. Wow. I, it wasn't an accident. Uh, in response to Essie's question, uh, torso, it kind of lanky kongs over to the toilet and climbs on top of the toilet tank and fumbles and tries to grab at the window ledge. Um, I open the window and look out. Outside the window, you can see like other neighboring Trianto skyscrapers. And looking straight down, Essie, you can see that uh, 14th floors below this one in the alley behind the Fairmont Hotel, uh, a dumpster is positioned precisely below the window of this hotel room. 
I, I turn around to the uh, torso. Um, I say, did you throw your head out? If, did you throw your head in the garbage? Uh, it slaps an affirmative jingle that sounds like. His head is, in the, head in the dumpster. So maybe if we find get to the head, it can communicate. Not that you're doing great, though, I say to the torso. But maybe the head can communicate a little bit more clearly. Vim writes down in their notebook, this is a conflict resolution problem, period. Let's find that head. I pull out the expense account, the card. It is... And as a, a quick reminder, an accountant's ledger that is rumored to can every purchase in the history of mankind. And I am going to ascertain, um, <laughs> like, a, like a Apache helicopter with like a like a low profile uh, with a, like a crane attached to pick up the whole dumpster. Pick it up and bring it to your hotel room. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you activate your single-use expense account, Bjork, and after a few moments, the whirring of helicopter rotors fills the sound of the hotel suite. This jet black helicopter descends. You can see one of those like magnet suction panel things descend from the helicopter, clamp onto the top of the dumpster, and start winching its way up. And Bjork, I think with uh, no amount of mm, smug confidence, Instead of going down to the dumpster, you bring the dumpster up to you. When the dumpster is brought up to, I guess, like 150 feet in the air, um, you can open the top of it and inside you can see a uh, a dizzy and confused looking head of a middle-aged man hanging out on top of a pile of garbage. Is he cute? That's a good question. Wow, okay. I'm the romantic. He's giving current era Adam Savage, like nerd scruffy chic. Oh, I love him. Uh, I grabbed the head. Oh, uh, uh, what's what's going on? Am I at the hospital? I feel uh, dizzy. You're a little out of sorts, my friend. Uh, that is your legs, uh, we believe, and that is your torso there. Don't freak out. Happens to the best of us. I've really let myself go. I'd say so, yeah. Can you send me back together, doctor? Can I? Uh, yeah. You gotta do something for me first, though. I have insurance. Oh, it's it's Canada. I didn't get the card. Uh... No, that's fine. What do you do? What are you? I gotta know before I put you back together that you weren't some kind of terrible, heinous person. I'm Adam Conroy. I'm the vice president of product for Executive Oak. Could I, could I ask, is that rude? Um, why are you like this? Oh, God, that was rude. No, I, mm. uh, I, I'm so stupid. So what's your opinion on clear-cutting? Well, you know, I think there's a lot of really kind of surface-level industry pattern. You'll hear about tree replacement programs. But when you're planting these saplings in virgin forest, they're not going to produce the same equivalency oak value as a mature tree. It's not a one-in-one-out ratio. And a lot of people just think one tree is one tree. But leaf canopy coverage alone amounts for a huge... Okay, yeah, um, but I'm just going to go over here for a sec, and I, like, whisper to Essie, we don't have time to listen to this, but we need to know why he's, like, not one. Um, Mr. Conroy. Oh, yeah. Has it been, like, per- 
particularly stressful leading up to this event? Like, have you really felt like a chicken with your head cut off or like you're being like torn in a lot of different directions? Jerry gets another commendation for that. Really? I liked it a Damn, lot. Damn, she's for- killing it. What? Dude, you're not winning. Just let it go. Adam says, no, honestly, I feel great. It's the keynote lecture that I gave at the Swedish Tree Summit in uh, 2022 last year. I was ready to do a reprisal. And I'd even just been to the mall, bought myself a new suit, had a nice lunch. I was feeling great. Did anything strange happen at the mall? Uh, No, it was pretty normal. My food tasted a little funny, I guess. I thought maybe Canada, they like can't do as much sodium. What did you order? Oh, I went to Triple Burger. That's my favorite spot. Uh, we we don't have really time for this. Wait, he's a loose end. (laughs) Stop. I think he's technically three loose ends at this point. I'm just, it's awkward, but I'm going to ask again. Were you three parts at the mall? Yeah, I, I don't. Hmm. He seems confused. He says, I definitely felt good at the mall. Hit up the store, got some new slacks, did triple burger, came back, took a nap, and then that's kind of the last thing I remember. You got new pants, you went to triple burger, which feels like a clue because there's three and there's three of you, and also triangles are important. Uh, I turned to to Vim. I think you're missing your favorite program on the, on the TV. Oh, oh, oh. Television. Mm. I love watching Futurama, because that's what Eli's watching right now. Yeah, you should go. And you I, sh- you don't uh, want to uh, miss yeah, that. I'll be back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and important. I, you should go uh, do that. Go outside, just outside the room, but still in the hallway. And I'd like to use Mobius Circuit TV. Hell yeah. Um, as written, you like go back to the agency, but obviously let's keep things cute. Um, you pull out what a like a phone, like a YouTube app that just scrolls forever, or like you go into the closet and line it with TVs, what's up? So I go into like, yeah, like a broom closet and I turn on the projector. The projector hums to life and uh, suddenly TVs with footage of everywhere, all over Trianto, flickering through all of Canada and the world start appearing um, and they flicker and shuffle infinitely. Where are you looking, Vim? Oh, I briefly turn the projector back off. I come back into the room and I say, unrelated to my TV program, but um, about what time did you take a nap? Um, 11.30. I was a little jet lagged. Cool. Uh, I just, that's a weird hobby of mine. And they leave. What, what could the hobby be? <laughs> the hobby is finding out what time of the day that happened, because that's when I think they split into threes. <laughs> so I uh, go back, flip the projector back on set the microwave clock on it to 11.20, and uh, sit down and watch. You watch Adam Conroy's uh, last half hour of footage as if recorded by an unseen CCTV in the hotel room. He comes back in from his excursion in downtown Trianto. He hangs up a nice new suit, still in its like wrapper bag in the closet. He heads into the bathroom for a bit, and then when he comes out, he uh, turns the TV on and plops on the bed, kicking off his loafers. He loosens his tie a little bit, and then he digs into the last of his triple burger. He's still got a handful of salty, salty fries left in the bag, and uh, he's portioning them out onto a little paper plate, and he eats them with relish, licking the salt off his fingertips. 
when he bites into the last one, there is an explosion of light, this mandala that just shoots out from the exact place where his incisor is piercing the crispy crust of the French fry. And at that point, his whole body seems to radiate with this bizarre wiggly energy. And when the light clears, he is unconscious on the bed in three pieces. Do we have to go to the food court? Okay, I'll go back in. Let's say I was taking notes as I was watching that. Have you guys been doing anything interesting in there while I was watching TV? So, sorry, tell me again. Birch, I just find to be a more aesthetically pleasing wood. You're telling me that I should get... I, I mean, I just bought the entire dining room set. I should just get rid of it? In the amount of time it will take you to maintain and replace the degradation of the birch over the following easily six, seven years, just spending twice as much on that on a single oak dinette set is going to last you twice as long. And even if you're not super worried about that, you got to think about your kids. You got to think about something you can pass on to the generations that come after you. And the answer to that, my friend, is solid oak. Well, it's, I would agree with you. It's just that I, I believe that I'm in passing nothing onto my kids so they can earn everything themselves. So what are you going to do? Burn it? Maybe. Yeah. If I feel so inclined, it's just that, you know, it's it's not permanent. That's the beauty of birch is that it's finite, just like us. At this point, Vim walks into the room, please. Cool. <laughs> Let's say Vim has walked into the room five minutes ago. And no, no, actually not to me. Oh, 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 and then okay. and this then, conversation there. <laughs> and then gave uh, Essie their notebook. Because I don't, I don't want um, Adam to know what's going on. So I'm kind of just like giving, passing my notebook to my teammates so they can catch up subtly. Um, and then when that conversation very organically ends, um, Vim has a couple questions. And not just because I get a commendation if I uh, interrogate someone. <laughs> sure. You should tell, ask him a couple questions right now. Yeah. No. Stop. <laughs> Um, you didn't say Bjork says. <laughs> <laughs> Vim asks Adam, uh, have you had Dribble Burger before? Adam says, yeah, I, uh, I get it every time I'm in Trianto. They have a couple in my state, but uh, they're a little far from me. So good. Oh, with the triple sauce on it. Yum. Was it the only time you got it from here? I mean, I only landed last night. But he's had it in Trianto before. You said this time it tasted different. But you didn't say less salty. You said the fries were very salty. So how did it taste? I guess I don't know if it's like salt or like pepper or anything. I'm not really a foodie. I just know what I like. And I like my triple burger. And it just had a little uh, something different. Something missing. Maybe. You're saying there was a bit spicy? A bit spicy with the pepper? Yeah, not spicy. Maybe more like sweet or like savory, salty, bitter. Bitter? For, for the realm, was really quick. I, I know pepper isn't spicy. I, that was a bit, it doesn't come across in the audio. Please, please don't cut this part. I don't want, please. You're making a white people joke? Yes. Oh, okay. You can have pepper being spicy. You can have birch chat. Pick one. <laughs> uh, I'll have to think on it. Um, And last question uh, about this. Did you notice anything weird at the mall? Uh, the lady who served me the triple burger was like, not, they're usually like nice and like friendly, but she was kind of like mean. She was like 
She was like white pine, you know? So mean? Yeah. Writes that down. White pine equals mean. Um, and last, last, last thing. This is really weird. Probably not gonna work. Probably stupid. Whatever. Don't listen to me. But um, could I stick my fingers in your mouth? What kind of doctor did you say you were? Oh, I'm not. <laughs> um, but Vim wants to try to make them throw up the burger because I think maybe that will undo the splitting edge. Maybe. Wait, ju- but just the head. Yeah. Is not connected to the torso. We don't know. We don't know how it works. Okay. I like this. I like this a lot. He goes, uh, uh, well, when in Trianto, uh, it's just what we do here. <laughs> I'll, uh, uh, carefully cradle his head over the toilet and stick two fingers in the mouth. Yeah. Um, my God. Okay. <laughs> Uh, the bathroom door flies open and like legs staggers in and drops to its knees and uh, torso is like lanking along and trying to like support legs by rubbing the top of its butt but then he kind of clutches his tummy and falls on his back and then Adam is like and um, from Adam's esophagus you did this from Adam's esophagus shoots this like glowing silhouette gleaming of a perfect burger. Not not vomit, the shape, the complete shape of a burger, but it's made of pure white light. And you can tell that it's like rich with anomalous energy. And then uh, as the light like crackles and spills flickers of lightning all around the hotel room, it crumples in on itself like a black hole. And as the light fades, Adam is sitting on his bed all in one piece, wiping a crumb of burger bun from his lips. Vim starts nervously laughing, like... <laughs> Adam rubs his tummy and says, I feel I feel a lot better now. They, You've got great Pepto up here. It's the good stuff. It was very nice to meet you, Adam. We have to go to the mall, I think. As you make your leave from the hotel room at the Fairmont Hotel, Adam gives you a cheery wave and says, Remember, Oaks, no joke. You arrive at the Eaton Center, the mall in the heart of downtown Trianto, a gleaming jewel that spans multiple city blocks and four stories, with bustling shops and promenades on the surface level winding deeper and deeper until you reach, yes indeed, the food court at the heart of the lowest story of the Eaton Center. Uh, When you get there, things look pretty normal. It's a busy Thursday morning. Families are shopping. Teens are cutting class and people are streaming in and out of the attached subway station. All in all, uh, a pretty non-anomalous sight. You got to find the mean lady at the Triple Burger. Sure. The Triple Burger is a testament to the gleaming efficiency of the corporate fast food industry. Bedecked in its signature shades of uh, rich royal purple and gleaming hunger-inducing orange, the Triple Burger stands in the center of the fleet of food court options banked on either side by its luminary cohort. And at the counter of the Triple Burger, a middle-aged woman in uh, a rather nicely cut and tailored Triple Burger employee polo stands at the ready to take orders. Her name tag says Cheryl, Triple Burger Manager. Mm, sounds like an anomaly to me. 
Is she smiling or Maybe. does she look like... She has a somewhat removed professional air. She has... Can you describe uh, it in wood? Yeah. What kind of wood would she be? That's a great point. This tall, uh, larch-like woman with long, thin, blonde hair pulled back in a service industry ponytail and um, immaculately applied makeup and nice um, uh, French tips uh, drums them on the countertop as you approach with your order. Uh, I don't have an order because you might also like, I bring that same card. I'm gonna try and get as much real estate out of this card and I want it to be a food inspector badge, baby. I wanna see behind the curtain of the triple burger. Uh, you need to roll dynamism to transform this card. Come on, baby. Uh, two threes. So we'll drop four chaos in the chat. And you have turned this card into a health inspector card. Um, Cheryl, the manager, says, oh, is this a surprise inspection? I wasn't aware we were due. That's why it's a surprise. All right. Well, these credentials appear to be in order. Shall we begin with the kitchen? Oh, I'll have a look myself if you don't mind. Thanks. As you insist. She returns to the counter. She seems to pay you little mind. And uh, you make your way behind the counter and towards the kitchen of the uh, uh, triple burger. Cheryl has um, apparently abandoned her post at the uh, counter and decided to follow you anyway. When you uh, turn back around the, the prep kitchen center island, you can see that she's just come in uh, holding a big sack of potatoes and she starts to pull them out and run them through the fry cutter. Um, and she turns back and she says, let me know if you have any questions. Yes, actually, uh, this is my fry experts. And since you are, well, working on the fries, uh, this comes straight from the head office. Um, I think she actually will have a couple questions for, for you. I don't want to. I don't want to speak on her behalf. I sure do have some questions. My first question is, what exactly, what size are we going with for these fries? Is it a five? Is it a three on the scale of fry size? She responds without missing a beat to your ludicrous question. She says, uh, well, of course, we default to the machine standard size five unless we have less than 20 percent or standard potato quantity, in which case we'll divert to a four to save on costs until we can get the resupply in. Uh, the machine has been recently oiled and fully tuned. Do you want to give it a pull? I would love to. I'd like to see you do it's it. Not living. Can you show me exactly step by step? Okay, we, sl we slip out in this opportunity. I will resolve this fry thing as you two slip out. She pulls a potato, she passes it. You're about to find out that I've never worked in a fast food place before. She <laughs> pulls the potato out, she puts it on this automatic thing that like scrubs it clean. And then, or maybe it comes clean. It comes clean. No, where do you get potatoes from? The earth. Cheryl pulls a potato out of the bin. It's already scrubbed clean. She puts it inside the potato cutter thingy and she pulls the mallet down in a motion that's so smooth and strong that it does bring unbidden to your mind, Essie, thoughts of like immaculate violence. She she pulls this potato cutter down like it's an executioner's axe um, and the potato practically shoots in fries into the, um, the, the fry basket underneath. While she's doing this, I would like to roll Nightmare. Project yourself into something larger than right life, roll Presence. On a success, you might pick an illusory 
form and appear as that to a particular part target. The form can be terrifying, beautiful, or mundane, and they believe it's your true form. So I don't really care uh, what exactly I'm doing. I'm just kind of trying to freak her out a little bit. And I think, I guess... Um, maybe the illusory form I'm going to give is, um, my legs separate from my torso and my head separates from my neck in just like a little bit of a spooky dooky hovery thing. And I ask her with a booming voice. Now I know that the potatoes are pre-washed, but have you done a secondary scrubbing? This kind of thing, we don't want to risk E. coli or anything like that. And just like in the, that kind of line of questioning in like this kind of eerie, spooky state. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's roll presence and see how this resolves. I rolled no threes, but I'm going to use all three of my, er, th- I'm going to use my things. Mm-hmm. So I can choose, you, I get my little special thing. Can I do that? You sure can. What special thing do you want to get? Okay, so for every third three, choose one before you take your form. I can um, learn the target's greatest, worst fear, greatest goal, most secret desire, or the target will forget me. I want to learn, I think, the target's most secret desire or greatest goal. Secret desire or greatest goal. Let's go with greatest goal. You ask this booming question to Cheryl uh, in hopes of interrogating her, and um, you can see uh, a a clear fragment of Cheryl's mind. I don't know how to put this delicately, but Cheryl's mind seems um, smaller than you might expect the interior of her mind to be. It's a little limited. It's consumed almost entirely with thoughts of Triple Burger. You can see inside the escape of her mind that uh, she is obsessed, fixated on making sure that this is the the most efficient, high-functioning triple burger in the entire country. She has no other pursuit than to make this the, the best quick-service restaurant in the history of humanity. Uh, and she knows that when she's done so, she will be recognized forever. Her name recorded in the annals of the quick service industry archives. And if anyone, health inspectors, uh, surly employees give her guff, they are just obstacles in the path of her greatness. And you're going to take the form of a person splitting into three? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I am going to spend some chaos and counter on you here because I haven't spent any yet. So I've got 20 by my count to play with, um, which is pretty solid. I am going to use two and create a corruption, causing a dangerous change to happen in here. As you turn into these three segments that kind of topple and balance onto each other, Cheryl places her hand down on the stainless steel countertop, which suddenly starts to expand in size. Suddenly it's this massive, massive, like, solid oak table of a countertop and um, all of the equipment on it, the potato bucket, the um, the deep fryer bins, they all start to grow in size as well. With a sneer, Cheryl says, I don't have time to deal with any more questions today. She grabs your head and lobs it into the uh, fry slicer, the potato slicer, and your torso and your legs, she scoops up 
in uh, two of the frying baskets and sets them above these uh, tubs of hot oil, sizzling hot. And the uh, baskets start their automated process lowering in for the exact right amount of time to turn you into crispy fried Essie. Let's jump over to Vim and Bjork. Seems like she's handed on that okay, so. <laughs> Like, I guess we're getting back to the, the freezer. Uh, I mean, I'm just going with my time at Wendy's. The design of that doesn't go that deep, so. In front of the walk-in, a little rolling cart with a television has been set up. Uh, it seems to be playing on a loop the uh, Triple Burger training video, which does uh, offer similar vapid platitudes about the value of customer service. The one that keeps kind of flashing back over and over is uh, this mantra. The video keeps saying, triple the flavor, triple the customers. Every time it talks about Triple Burger's signature patty, which is of course three patties in two buns, they said it could be done, but it could. And it goes, triple the flavor, triple the customers. When they talk about uh, thick triple cut wedges of tomato, thrice sesame buns, uh, all of these things come back to the same logo. Triple the flavor, triple the customers. And in front of this TV, watching it with this almost um, pious spiritual connection is Cheryl? You could have sworn you left her in the prep kitchen, but here she is uh, leaning against precisely nothing, just sort of resting her elbows in the air and drinking in every frame of this training video. I'm gonna unplug it. Uh, when you do, she says, she like snaps out of her uh, her stupor and she says, uh, is, is there a problem? That was spiked down properly, I checked. I thought you'd be grateful. And I look at um, Bjork. Sorry, I understand you have to do your inspection here, but you don't just have complete authority to run roughshod over my entire establishment. She's becoming agitated now that the video's off. Oh, sorry, that was uh, my assistant's mistake. I'll plug that back in for you, sorry. I plug it back in. Uh, I'm assuming it comes back on. She is still staring at you. One eye moves totally independently to look back at the video. <laughs> okay, you know what? Sure, let's see what happens with this. Once more, Realmers, you might also like, if you like this program, Cheryl, you might also like, and I want to try to just change some of the, uh, uh, if it's possible, because this is like a video. This is about changing reality. This is a game about manipulating the fabric of reality. It's a pretty wide open oak table. I would like to, okay. <laughs> I would like to change the fabric of reality uh, and try to, what do I want to try and like make it so that it's not displaying, it's it's triple the flavor, triple the customers. Triple the burger, shut down this entire business now. That's what I want to change it to. Okay, you can roll some dynamism. Oh, nice. Okay, and you are changing the slogan in the training video, yes? Yes, I'm changing it from triple the flavor, triple the customers to triple the flavor, shut down this business now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the, the video resumes, the mascots are dancing, a, a kindly C-list celebrity is teaching you how to grill patties. Um, when it cuts back to the slogan, instead of the usual jaunty jingle, instead you get 
triple the flavor, shut down this restaurant immediately. <laughs> and uh, the effect it has on Cheryl is pretty profound. She tilts her head like a dog who doesn't understand a sound it heard. And she staggers over to the TV and sort of like, yeah, taps at it with the palms, trying to understand what's going on. Uh, with this haunted, despairing look on her face, she says, the slogan's wrong. <laughs> I want to look through. Is there like a window on the walk-in? Absolutely not. I want to try to unbound again. This is a great idea. Let's do it. I fast. Okay. We've got a success for generating four chaos. I'm up to 22. Vim, you are going to uh, glide through the door of the walk-in. The walk-in on like for the first split second you're inside, you're like, yes, this is the walk-in refrigerator of a fast food restaurant, sure. But then after that split second, the dimensions of the walls suddenly just expand. I am using the expand move um, for six chaos. And suddenly you are in the middle of this walk-in that's the size of like probably at least the lobby, if not the ground floor of the Fairmont Hotel. Like it's just stretching out in all directions. You can't see the far wall. Um, the door is now somehow impossibly hundreds of feet behind you, even though you just phased through it. And next to you, Vim, you see um, a another TV. It's on a stand, it's in the walk-in, it's plugged in in the walk-in and huddled around it are the cold, shivering, semi-catatonic figures of the rest of the Triple Burger staff. They look like they might have frostbite or are about to just pass out from hypothermia at any moment. And from deeper within the walk-in, something makes a disgusting schlopping sound. Essie, you're about to become latkes. Can we can we get a re re trace of where all my body parts are? Your head is at one end of this countertop. It is in the potato masher, and Cheryl has her hand ready to to mash. And uh, your torso and your legs are in these giant fry baskets that are descending over the the vat of bubbling hot fry oil. Because my legs can jump. I could, I could, I guess you're like getting to position in the fry basket and leaping away. Yeah, but I want to leap away towards Cheryl and I want to kick her with my very narrow stiletto heel and get her arm away. And then I think I can probably just reassemble my body at any time because this is a thing I did to myself after I get my legs on the ground. I think I would ask you to roll... For me, initiative. Initiative. Oh, I have that. Exciting. All right, I have two threes naturally, but I'm going to use another one to get bring myself up to three. Actually, that doesn't matter for this, does it? So the legs are leaping out of the fry basket and you are kicking Cheryl's hand away from the fry masher? Yep, and then I when I land, um, I land perfectly on my high shoes because I guess I'm good at good at that. And then my body reassembles in front of her. Okay, you scoop the head out of the fry slicer like it's a uh, abandoned football and score the old vertebrae touchdown, so to speak. Um, and then that whole torso climbs out of the uh, the 
That, I think there's maybe a little bit of delicious golden brown edging on the on some parts of the torso, maybe the tips of the elbows. It's like um, a river stick scenario. And uh, you scramble together a fully formed and reeking of fry oil essie. Yum, yum. Uh, Cheryl is reaching behind her on the wall for a knife off of the magnetic rack. Oh my god. Now, Cheryl, I'm going to have to give you negative points for putting a person into the machine. You know that's not going to be good for your... You're not a person. You're some kind of monster. That's rude. She branches the knife. Now, Cheryl, even if I am some kind of monster, do you really want that worst score? I know you care a lot about the this establishment, and I can, I can cause that to go down the... Go down the pipe. Let's take a duplicity roll. Damn. Okay. A full gambit from Jory here. Uh, that's a fail. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Not because I'm mean, but because I want to demonstrate the mechanics of this game uh-huh. in our playthrough of it that Jory we're doing. Jory dies. In a mean Are you going to murder me? Oh, on today? I'm not. <laughs> on Jory's day of all day. On International me. Women's me. Day. On International Women's wow. Day. See, that seems like, how could I have known that? Um, You are going to take some harm. She's going to come at you with the knife and slash it across the front of you. When you receive a point of harm, the agency is going to activate the first tier of your life insurance policy, naturally. Um, The first tier means that you can spend an emergency assurance and ignore the damage. So you have an emergency assurance as long as you have three uh, quality assurances in any single quality. So do you have any qualities of three left? Yep. I haven't used professional yet. Okay, so your emergency insurance is spent and you can uh, ignore the damage. The agency just kind of pops into that moment in in space-time and replaces the knife with a rubber one that just slaps harmlessly uh, against the front of you. Um, For curiosities, uh, what would be the... uh, like what would happen if I got hurt? Like what would that do to my to my me? You would die. I would. Oh, I would just die. Well, dying would activate tier two of your life insurance policy. Oh my gosh! You would take nine demerits for your poor performance, and you would be revived in the nearest break room. That's so embarrassing if you die. <laughs> um, okay, so I get hit by this rubber knife, and gosh. Is it nap time or is it side of the bed? I don't know. This girl's, uh, she's got some energy. You better make sure it's something you can count on. Yeah. We're going to go for nap time. I want to put her to sleep. I grab my uh, my sand and I blow it in her face after she hits me with a rubber knife. Roll subtlety. So I just failed that roll, but I'm going to use two thingies so that I don't fail. Okay. Four more chaos for me. Cheryl is going to be asleep for a few minutes having pleasant dreams. She sinks against the steel countertop of the prep kitchen, nodding off her little paper triple burger hat falling off onto the floor. Yeah, and I will run into the other room to into whatever I missed. Bjork, you are standing in front of Cheryl, who's having a meltdown in front of the TV. Don't laugh at Bjork. And Vim is vanished inside the walk-in to parts unknown. What are you up to? Uh, Cheryl. Huh? Yeah, Cheryl. 
Yeah. What's going on? I work at the Triple Burger. I, Cheryl, I know where you work. I know where I am. You see this? That's right. Health inspector. That's right. What are you doing? I hold up my finger. I hold up the health inspector card. Listen, I have some questions for you, okay? And if I don't get the right answers, this place is getting written up. You understand? That's not going to be just, that's not just going to be a bad rep for this triple burger. That's across, that's across the country, okay? When I come down on it. No, don't, please don't do that. You want to know what, Cheryl? If I have to do that, your name is going in it. Everyone's going to know. You drag the name of Triple Burger through the the fry dust. This is fantastic. I just think I would take a, a duplicity roll to to knock it home. Knock it home. Knock it home. I passed with two. Uh, I'm collecting four more chaos. I actually do almost have enough to kill someone. Just for the record, do what you want. Um, and Cheryl, I might do. I might fucking do it. <laughs> and Cheryl says, um, "No, no, I'll." We can work something out. Whatever you need. Just Explain let me know what you need. Explain that. What's going on in there? Why are your employees in that freezer and not working for minimum wage? That's where they go to complain about me. They think I can't hear them, but I can. Aww. They were taking extra long breaks and trips to the walk-in, and I knew they were going in to complain, so I put a TV in there so the video would make them better workers. Cheryl, they're not doing anything. They hate me. Cheryl, you're the manager at Triple Burger, and that is a bunch of teens. I'm sorry to tell you, but you're not going to be their favorite. But when, you know what you can be? You know what is inside you when I look in your eyes? I see determination. I see room for growth. And I see... One of the best damn managers at Triple Burger I've ever met. Suddenly Cheryl's body rises into the air in front of the walk-in. The the condensation and fog billowing from the metal door is like flowing around her in a very beautiful anime fashion. From the prep kitchen, this like phantom image of Cheryl comes rushing in to meet the Cheryl that's floating in the air. And then from the other direction, down where the front counter is in the food court, the third phantom image of Cheryl, broken into triplicate by her fractured mind, uh, also flies in unison. And all three Cheryls are restored together in this brilliant mass of flying condensation and light. She lands gracelessly on the tile floor of the triple burger, her hair spilling into a puddle of mop water, uh, unconscious but calm. I check on my teammates. Essie's just come running in. Hi. And how is in the freezer? Uh, well, I hear something squishy, and I probably don't want to deal with it alone. So the first thing I'm going to do is, can I materialize parts of my body at will, like Kitty Pride style? I, yes. Uh, materialize my hands so I can, like, push the wheelie cart, uh, science teacher doesn't want to do their job today thing like to the walk-in doors as fast as I can so that at least they're not still freezing to death. As you uh, push the cart away and the cable comes uh, unplugged from the impossible outlet that's inside the walls of the walk-in, the uh, frozen teens huddled around it let loose this kind of zombie-ish groan like, ugh, 
which you're not sure if is a good or bad sign, but you resolve to keep pushing the cart. And as you are approaching the door, suddenly I spend some chaos. Something huge smashes into the uh, TV with enough force to like knock it out of your grasp and shatter the whole contraption against the far wall of the walk-in. Underneath the fluorescent overhead lighting, you can see that the TV has been taken out by a cannonball of frozen solid ground beef, pink and frosty. Do I see the source or? The schlopping sound grows louder. I don't see the source. There's something moving in the shadows between the fluorescent lights, Vim. Something schloppy. With my only material hands, I want to open the door again. Hopefully these zombie teams can get out. Shout to my teammates. Something's here. You rush towards the door, hoping to escape, leaving the teens to die, which is kind of a dick move, but we'll talk about it later. No, 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 I'm staying, I'm staying. I'm staying. I'm immaterial. I just opened the door so they can get yeah, out. Yeah, but you have, to, you have to move to the door. And as I mentioned, this this walk-in has become really um, quite, quite large. So you're making your way towards it. And uh, I've got a lot more chaos to spend. And oh, Jory said, I'll give you more for fun. Oh, um, please fun. die. Yeah, why don't, you, why don't you kill someone, huh? <laughs> I think I will. How many teens are there? Like, can I expand one or two? Well, we'll find out. As you're moving towards the door to open it, you turn back and see one of the teens has just, like, flung back, collapsed, not breathing on the floor of the walk-in. Their whole body is tinged with blue. They're moments away from uh, being lost to hypothermia and minimum wage shittiness. Can anything go into the briefcase? It's just, like, it can't, like... Like, could I put the teens in there? It's for the anomaly. You would not be able to put the anomaly in there and you would probably risk some punishment, but it would save the life of the teens. And you'd have to figure out another way to deal with the anomaly. Schlop, schlop. Well, then I fucking guess I can't do that. I'll run back and drag the passed out teen to the door. You you have the suitcase. Well, we have to catch the anomaly. Okay, Uh, you head back to the teens. Essie and uh, Bjork, you are outside the walk-in. You're hearing the sounds of... Uh, some loud thuds coming from inside. Cheryl is uh, smiling peacefully asleep on the ground. Yeah. Um, I guess we should go in there, maybe. Can we, o- we can't, we can open the door. Okay. Essie, you open the door and um, you are affronted uh, by a, a blast of extra cold air. Bjornk, you're fine with that. As you enter, you see the shape reveal itself from under the patchy fluorescent lights. It is a oversized humanoid figure, some kind of ground beef golem, essentially, bearing down on you with these frosty frozen fingers, and it swings a mighty club fist right in your direction, Essie. Final boss time, and he's got lots of chaos left. Lots of chaos, final boss. Um, so he's about to hit me with his big old meat arm. Big meaty claws. You'll take more harm unless you do something to get away from this. I want to cook him. I want him. I want to make him chase me into the hot oil. Okay, I like that a lot. Um, you want to like taunt him out of here, kind of thing, or? Yeah. Okay. Do you know what? I will use nightmare to make a vision of something that he really wants to chase. I love um, that. Um, I. Don't have any presents left because I used it all the last time, so we could be in for a treat, which is failing. 
Hope you roll good. I got one three. Okay, but you're burned out? Yeah. I think because it was going after you with a swing on this failure instead of the loose end, it's going to hit you. Okay. Um, we're at the end of this, so I'm very sorry on this International Women's Day special episode. But Essie, uh, you are attempting to uh, draw upon your anomalous powers to take down this thing. And with a shocking display of speed and force, it knocks you clear across the far end of the walk-in. You fly into a shelf of boxes that just completely collapses and quickly buries your form. And with a poof, you wake up in uh, briefing room 14 at the Trionto Triangle Agency under the disapproving gaze of T. This is why you shouldn't make your workers pull double shifts. <laughs> um, Bjork, you just saw this thing take down Essie. You are maybe able to glimpse Vim running back to go after these teens, these frost teens, um, and this big old meat thing's right up in you. Ew. Uh, I strip. I take off my tie. I take off my blazer. I rip open my button-up shirt, and therein lies... In all of its glory, the hot, cool shirt. But if you recall, like I said at the start, this is a prototype. And with prototypes come flaws. Oh. Terrible, terrible flaws that in human trials left extreme burns. (laughs) We don't talk about it. We bear the evidence. But you don't need to know all those details. What you need to know as I turn the dial is that this shit gets hot. I, like, uh, I, you know, my intention is to turn this shit up to fucking 11, incinerate myself, incinerate this meat monster, and be reborn again momentarily like a phoenix from the ashes. I love that. I think that's phenomenal. Um, I think I would just ask for one final roll from you here. Let's try dynamism. Okay, well, I got three trees. Naturally? Naturally. Wow. Okay, you've activated Triscendence, your final roll. Do you want to take, what additional bonus do you want to take? That's uh, recharging three QAs, adjusting the roll, or receiving three commendations. Demerit points for dying, I assume, yes, on Jory's part? Oh, many, many. Nice. Give me the fucking commendations, baby, <laughs> at the 11th hour. Okay, Bjorn eschewing both the normal briefcase and the uh, the gun that you have as options to deal with anomalies, you instead decide to go for a more hands-on approach, which is what makes you such a strong and dynamic leader. You crank up the setting on the hot, cool shirt, and as the uh, polymers start to smoke and then burst into flame, searing themselves to your skin, I guess, You leap at this frozen burger monster and embrace him in a wreath of frames. And the two of you tumble to the floor in this horrible tableau that smells completely fantastic. Yeah, I was going to say. Vim, the heat and light from this inferno allows you to see the teens warming up a little bit from their frostbitten positions. You get these frozen teens up and usher them out of the walk-in, scooping up a, a sooty and uh, stinky, but otherwise unharmed Bjork. You call for pickup from the agency and you evacuate the Triple Burger and the Eaton Center food court, which is awash in smoke and curiosity, hoping that 
the mass of cooked ground beef in the walk-in and the dazed, frozen teenagers won't raise too many questions. The next day, the newly rejuvenated Essie joins the two of you for your debriefing with your general manager, who is overall, uh, has some mixed feelings about your performance. There was fantastic deployment of your requisitions, your expense account, and your Mobius TV. There was excellent team leading from Bjork. There was some solid uh, secret keeping and burying from Essie. And there was some uh, fantastic observational work and investigation from Vim. And while many demerits and uh, commendations were given out, some key things to note, Essie did die which uh, gives her a, a huge penalty and takes her out of the running for agent of the mission. And uh, while Vim kept a pretty solid performance, they were fairly close to Bjork, although there were some issues. You did not capture, I guess you, you neutralized the anomaly with another method. It's not the exact way that agency would prefer you deal with the anomalies. They really want them in the briefcase so they can be captured and studied. But a briefcase full of ground beef is nobody's friend, as we all know. So no commendations or demerits are given for that. And in the end, with uh, a decisive can doativeness, Bjork is the top agent of this mission. I would have won if you had just killed yourself. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> You have handled yourself with grace and aplomb in your adventure that spanned from the heights of the Fairmont Hotel to the bowels of the Eaton Center food court. You have filled in a report that details how Cheryl, insecure about how much the teens in her employ hated her new management style, uh, rebelled against her by spending more and more time in the walk-in until their hatred and her anxiety manifested in a horrible meat monster that had the power to triplicate employees or customers as it willed. It's quite the disturbing, bizarre, and sordid case. But for you three excellent agents, it's just another day at the Trianto Triangle Agency. Thank you for listening to a very special episode of Many Realms. Today we played Triangle Agency by Haunted Table Games, which is now crowdfunding on Kickstarter. Check out hauntedtable.games or visit at hauntedtable on Twitter to learn more. If this was your first episode of Many Realms, welcome to the show. I'll keep it short. We play short campaigns in a variety of systems. The episodes are about an hour long, edited with music and effects, and fully transcribed. Check us out at The Realmscast on Twitter or at therealmscast.com. Lastly, we'll post some highlights from this episode, like GM notes and a blooper reel, at patreon.com slash many realms, where a great many treasures await you. Thanks. Bye.